reborn spiritually via the water of the word and the Ruach HaKodesh. Within the book of Joshua, we can expect to learn the plan of Elohim concerning the body of Yahshua, i.e. his ecclesia, uh, uh, the firstborn and those general believers who are born again, which make up the spiritual Israel. We'll, we'll learn um, how they are to enter into the kingdom. And that's a very important aspect. A lot of people seem to be getting hung up on that one, so we're going to talk about that today. You know, and what to expect once in, as well as how to proceed once one is in. Another perspective we'll be exploring is that of the land and the inhabitants of the land, and how the land of Canaan speak to the kingdom of Elohim within you, and how its inhabitants relate to the remnants of the fallen angels, the demons, the devils, and other unclean spirits and their doctrines which currently inhabit the land inherited by the born-again believer. We learned that the borders of the land of Canaan, i.e. the kingdom of Elohim that's within us, they were from its entrance in the wilderness, that is the pricking of our hearts, which make up the uh, southern border to Lebanon, or heart of righteousness with the admonition not to be stupid or slow of learning or stubborn. That's the northern border. Uh, Spiritually speaking, the kingdom's eastern border is great fruitfulness, symbolized by the great river Euphrates, with its western border being made up of the great sea, which is spiritually speaks to our great sea of memories. The land itself speaks to our flesh or carnal nature, hence the admonition that we be strong and of good courage, and that we not become terrorized or fearful of the inhabitants of the land, which are symbolized by the Hittites whose name means the terrorizers. That is, the peoples and places and things within our land or within our flesh that would normally cause us to be terrified. Now that we understand where the borders of the kingdom are and what they represent and what the inhabitants speak to physically and spiritually, what's next? What's next is to understand um, just about the entire book of Joshua deals with what happens actually prior to crossing the Jordan River and after crossing the Jordan River. You know, so the center focus of the whole book is the Jordan. You know, and we spoke about that uh, plenty. So we're going to take a look at the book of Joshua today. And we're going to be taking a look at chapter 2. But we're going to take a just a short look at chapter two because we're going to do a quick side note this week. And the reason we're going to do this side note is because before we get into Joshua and get into crossing over the Jordan, which is actually the gateway into the kingdom of uh, the kingdom of Elohim or the land of Canaan, which is a, a picture of the kingdom of Elohim, something must happen. And so we're going to deal with this side note to deal with what must happen prior to crossing over the Jordan, prior to entering into the kingdom um, of Elohim. You know, and what must happen is we have to get past the border patrol. See, before Israel was able to cross the Jordan, they had to defeat the border patrol, or who I call the border patrol. It's 
scripture don't call them border patrol, but nevertheless, they were patrolling the border that led into the kingdom of Elohim, or led into the land of Canaan, you know. And so, they represent two checkpoints to break through. So, every Israelite has to break through these two checkpoints before they enter into the land of Canaan. And the land of Canaan is simply, you know, a picture of a type in the shadow of the kingdom of Elohim. Alright, and so that's what I want to talk about today. There are these two checkpoints that need to be broken through. We left off with Joshua 2, 7. I'm going to pick it up with verses 8 and 9. It says, And before they were laid down, she came up to them upon the roof. And it's she that's being spoken of is Rahab. Rahab the harlot. You know, so uh, she she's hitting the two spies of Israel upon her rooftop. And so this is what they're speaking, uh, what the passage is speaking about. So she's coming up to talk to him. So it says, and before they were laid down, speaking of the two spies, she came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that Yahuwah have given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Hallelujah. You know, now last week we spoke about these two spies and we, we um, equated them with the two witnesses that come in the end times. You know, they're likened unto those two witnesses that we read about in Revelations 11. You know, that would come in the, in the end times. Now, concerning them, you know, when they come on the scene, everyone's going to be afraid of them as well. And the terror of them will fall upon everyone, just as Rahab is saying. And all the inhabitants will faint because of them. You know, because even as Revelation 11 four through six tells us about them. It says that these are the two olive trees, the two candlesticks standing before the Elohim of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devour of their enemies. And if any man hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And so... With this in mind, it's not hard to see how terror will fall upon the inhabitants of the earth, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, this is what's going to transpire, you know, uh, in the end times. But in the meantime, and in between time, we're still trying to get across the Jordan. Okay. You know, and so we want to understand, you know, just why they were so afraid outside of what's going to happen in the end times. Why were they afraid, you know, historically in Joshua 2.9? And Joshua 2.10 gives us the answer. Rahab continues on and she says, For we have heard how Yahuwah dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. Now, spiritually speaking, that speaks to us understanding <coughs> scripture. The Red Sea is actually um, would be more literally translated the reed sea. And the reeds are what they what they made papyrus from. And papyrus is what they wrote the word upon. You know, and so it's a spiritual picture of of the word. 
you know, and for it to dry up is for them to fully understand it. You know, and it says, and when ye came out of Mitzrayim, or Egypt, what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan. You know, so here it is. They understand scripture and they defeated the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan before they crossed over. Sihon and Ug, whom ye utterly destroyed. Now, this is why they were afraid. This is why they were afraid. Because they understood Scripture. And this is why they'll be afraid in our day and time. Even because we'll understand Scripture. And we too will have been done, defeated Sihon and Ug. But we're not going to be able to defeat Sihon and Ug, spiritually speaking, unless we understand who they are, spiritually speaking. Amen. You know, for even as we say the land of Canaan is a type and shadow of the kingdom of Elohim, and the kingdom of Elohim is within us. And so that means Sihon and Ug, they reign within us. Everybody still with me? Mm -hmm. All right, so they're kings, you know, and they're kings of the Amorites. Now, Amorite means a sayer or a speaker. It means to publicize. You know, now I want you to think about that for a minute. Because we're talking about two kings that were very mighty. You know, and this is why those on the other side of the Jordan were so afraid because these were some mighty kings. They weren't no punks. You know, they, uh, ooh, you know, he had like, his reign covered over 60 cities. You know, and so, you know, the Amorite speaks to those sayers, those speakers who, who publicize, you know, um, them and, you know, and the ones that they said and, and you know, and him and her and them and all, you know, everybody got some, has something to say, you know, yeah, Amorites, you know. Uh, now, Sihon, his name means to sweep away. Now, he was the king of Heshbon. Heshbon means to contrive or plan cleverly. Now, if we put these two together, we can see that he was the king of planning cleverly. He was the king of making contrivances or planning cleverly in a way that will cause his enemies to be swept away. You know, so his enemies will be swept away by his clever plans. You know, now I want you to think about that for a minute because he's an Amorite. He's a king of the Amorites. He's a king of the speakers, you know, and so he devised a plan, you know, to speak things that will sweep away his adversaries. Anybody with me? Mm -hmm. You know, now, Ug, his name means to bake. It can also speak to a furrow where they get long neck. But his name literally, in the Hebrew, literally means to bake. You know, and Bashan means fruitful. And so, this is 
a picture of one who comes up against the fruitful. He bakes the fruitful. Um, to put anyone in the oven is a spiritual picture of persecution. You know, so he's one that persecute the fruitful. Now, we're going to take a little closer look at these things because these are Amorites. They're sayers, you know, and so like today we have a lot of sayers that get within that reigns within our kingdom within us and these sayers come from things like television and other media you know uh, even as it says reality and TV don't go together you know and that, that seemed to be the big thing today reality TV no such thing that's an oxymoron you know uh, the media lies to you your TV is a propaganda machine. You know, we have to learn to think. You know, it used to be a time in our school systems that they taught the children to think. Today, they teach them not to think. They teach them to only follow instructions. Whether good or bad, just follow the instructions. You know, I never forget you know, coming up, you know, I was always a fan of math. But I didn't like to do math the way they taught. You know, they taught to do math from right to left. I like to do, it was just natural for me to do it from left to right. You know, and as a result, you know, I could do most, most of the uh, many problems in my head. And they would mark my answers wrong because I wouldn't do it from right to left. But I'm like, I thought the objective is to get the correct answer. Right. You know, apparently not. The objective is for you to follow instructions. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do. Mm. Don't think for yourself. Just do what I tell you. You know, and who's doing the saying? The Amorites. You know, now, this lesson is going to be a lot like a discipleship lesson, actually, you know, but it's necessary, you know, before we continue on, you know, so that you know what these things symbolize in Scripture. So kings, the kings of the Bible, kings always speak to truth, you know. So whenever you see a king, it's always speaking to some type of truth. It's always speaking the truth, you know, or uh, alternatively, Alternatively, sometimes it can speak to a falsehood too, you know, um, because there's always a positive and a negative. You know, now, so keep that in mind because we're talking about two kings here. You know, so, um, or, so kings always speak to a truth or something that's perceived as, as true at least. And then as we cross over to Jordan, we're going to run into a lot of places in the Bible as well, such as Jericho. Now, cities in Scripture speak to doctrines. You know, so when you read about different cities, think doctrines. You know, as such, you know, um, for example, like, they sent the two spies over to Jericho. Now, Jericho means city of the moon. The moon is the ruler of darkness. 
you know, Genesis teaches us that. It teaches us that, you know, the greater light, the sun, was to rule over the day, and the moon was to rule over the night. And he called the darkness night. You know, so Jericho speaks to the ruler of darkness. You know, it's not by coincidence that soon as they cross over the Jordan, they have to defeat the city. They have to defeat the ruler of darkness. Say lie. You know, so cities represent doctrine. What is doctrine? It's from the Greek root didak or didake, and it means teaching or what is taught. You know, it doesn't speak to that which is true, not necessarily. It doesn't speak to that which is false, not necessarily. It just speaks to something that's taught. You know, that what's taught could be true or it could be false, but a doctrine is just something that's taught. Anybody with me? Yeah. yeah. All right. Now, back to Jericho, because this is the city at hand. This is the city that Yah destroys miraculously. Amen? You know, and so, and it's like the first battle in the kingdom of Elohim. The first battle in the land of Canaan. The first battle. Uh, so it represents the first battle that you're going to have to fight when you enter into the kingdom of Elohim. You're going to have to defeat Jericho. You know. And Jericho is also called the city of palm trees. You know. We, we find this in Deuteronomy 34.3. You know. He calls Jericho the city of palm trees. Now. The palm tree represents righteousness or righteous men, you know, because you know, as you can see how a palm tree stands upright, so it represents an upright man, you know, this man upright and this is Afro, you know, I just, but yeah, you know, but it represents an upright man, hence we see in Psalms 92, 12, the righteous flourish like the palm tree. You know, now, so what does this tell us about Jericho? Anyone? <clears throat> well, yeah, that's that's what we're talking about. The righteous, 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 righteous men. You know, well, first of all, what does the city represent? Yes, it's it's called the city. Uh, it's it's Jericho means the city of uh, uh, city of the moon, which speaks to the ruler of darkness. But what did I just tell you that cities represent? Doctrine. Cities represent. Hold on, I don't think that was too far ago. Um, yeah. So that's what we was going over this for. You know, because we, we stated Bible places, you know, and we use Jericho as an example. Speaks to doctrine. So when you run into cities, when you're reading about a city, think doctrine. All right? You know, so back to Jericho, we know we're dealing with a doctrine. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, so 
Now, if we're dealing with a doctrine and we know that it's also called the city of palm trees, what does that tell us about that doctrine? It's a doctrine that speaks to righteousness. Plus the palm trees represents righteousness. You know, and think about it today. We have different doctrines that speak to righteousness. Have we not? You know, there are different doctrines that actually speak to that speak to righteousness. Now that doesn't mean that they are correct. And so Jericho <clears throat> represents one of those such doctrines that speak to righteousness. But Jericho means the city of the moon, which speaks to the ruler of darkness. So we see that this is a doctrine from the ruler of darkness. But it speaks to righteousness. So in other words, it's an erroneous doctrine concerning righteousness. You know, uh, let me see if I can think of an example. Okay. Here's a doctrine that's, that's prevalent today. You know, uh, people say, if you accept the Messiah as your Adonai, um, your Adonai and your Savior, your Lord and your Savior, that, you know, presto change, oh, you saved. Mm. You know, you're saved because all your sins are washed away and so you're made righteous and you're saved and once saved always saved that's a doctrine an erroneous one I might add but it's a doctrine all the same and it concerns righteousness you know when we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6 around verse 25 it speaks of those who keep Yah's commandments that those commandments are the righteousness of Yah's people. You know. And so that's another doctrine. But one comes from Yah and one comes from the ruler of darkness. Which one are you going to believe? Okay. Yeah. You know. So. Just giving you an example. You know. Of what this looks like. You know. Because. If. These things don't become more than just words on a page and pages in a book. Then we're doomed. If all you see is a bunch of ancient history, then we're doomed. If the word don't speak to you in your life today, you're doomed. You know, Yah says he tells the end from the beginning. Right. So what that means is you can go to the beginning and then speak to you concerning your end. Mm -hmm. The word tells us the Messiah is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? right? You know, Malachi says Yahuwah change if not. Mm -hmm. It's not going to change. It's not going to change. Just like Solomon in his great wisdom said, nothing new upon the earth. Nothing new under the sun. You know, the things that's happening now, people just forgot about it. It happened before. 
You know, we have tomorrow's newspaper in our scriptures if we just know how to read it. We just take the time to learn how to read it. You know, so I'm sharing these things with you to help you decipher scripture. You know, well, who says scripture needs to be deciphered? Well, if Yahshua is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and when he came to the earth, it tells us that he didn't say anything to the multitudes except by parable, then it would be pretty safe to say that everything you read in scripture, which is in the hands of the multitudes, are parabolic. Hence, they need, it needs to be deciphered. And he's still deciphering it for the same group of people he deciphered it for when he walked the earth, and that is his disciples. That is the students of the word. Right? Mm -hmm. So, I pray that sheds some light on Jericho. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go back to the two kings. Mm -hmm. You know, they were king of the Amorites. Now, the Amorites spoke to, spoke to those who speak, to those who say things to those who instruct them, if you would. And what do they look like in our lives today? This is what they look like. They look like the media. They look like the internet. They look like television. They look like radio. They look like newspapers. They look like magazines. And all the stuff that they say. All the stuff that's spoken through them. See, this is a spiritual picture of those Amorite kings, especially Sihon. See, because Sihon, you know, he was the king of the sayers that devised clever plans that sweep people away. See, people don't understand, people today don't understand propaganda. They don't understand the propaganda machine. I'm going to tell you how it works. They're able to make you believe whatever they want you to believe. You know, and this is how they do it. They do it with King Sihon. They do it with media. You know, if you read it on the internet or watch it on the internet, watch it on television. While you're driving to work, you hear it on the radio. If you pick up a magazine and you read it in the magazine, if you pick up a newspaper and it's there, you get to work and folks talking about it, you know, you're going to be start to believe it no matter what it is. And that's how the propaganda machine works. Because they know how the human mind works. If you say the same thing enough times, your mind will begin to accept it as truth. See, and this is a very dangerous thing because this is how, this is how, how they operate. It's not by happenstance. That six companies own all the media, control all the media in the country. Just six companies control all the media in the country. You know, that's all the television networks, all the newspapers, all the magazines, all the television stations. 
all the movie companies. Six companies. Can't you see that if they come together, they can make the public believe whatever they want them to believe? Because they can do that. They can cause you to see it on the internet, watch it on television, hear it on the radio, read it in the newspapers and magazines. You know, why do you think when they have when they when they have the news, just pay attention. Why do you think when they put something on the news, you can turn to channel two, four, seven, twenty, fifty, and they all plan the same news story? But there's approximately 7 billion people on the planet. You mean to tell me that y'all can't find different news? <laughs> that everybody is on the same, you know, talking about the same, same few things? Mm -hmm. And it's usually always bad. Mm -hmm. Nobody's doing no good in, out of 7 billion people. Mm -hmm. I find that hard to believe. Yeah. You know, and not only that. If you go to different cities, they're talking about the same news reports on the news. Mm. You know, different countries as well. The same news reports. Mm. Why do you think that is? It's called propaganda. It's called mass psychosis. It's called brainwashing. It's called mind control. That is what King Sihan of the Amorites represent. He devised clever plans to sweep away his adversaries. And we get swept away because we love to be on the internet. We love to watch TV. We love to listen to the radio. We love to read newspapers and magazines. You know, we have to understand our enemy. This is how he gets to us. So King Sihan is a very form, uh, formidable uh, foe. Formidable foe, I meant to say. He's a very formidable foe, indeed. You know, and so, like, we have to overcome this. A lot of what we believe, it's because of this. You know, I, you know, you, you guys probably hear, heard me say it often, you know, because I oftentimes say, like, Scripture is my truth. Scripture is my truth. You know, just because you show me, you know, uh, on the Internet or on the news or um, on television, you know, some, some, uh, some guy, you know, um, doing something in the street in front of everybody. You know, don't mean I'm gonna believe it. You know, just because it's on channel two, four, or fifty-seven, you know, just because it's being broadcast all over the place, don't mean I'm gonna believe it. Right. You know, I believe the word. Yes. You know, especially in today's time, technology is to the point to where they can take your picture and they can put it on online and they can they can make it appear like you're speaking. Just a still picture. That's not even a video. Just a still picture. So when you watching these things that they call news today, you don't know if it's news. You don't know if it's rigged. Mm -hmm. 
You know, someone showed me uh, a, a a clip of of y'all president. You know, he was he was giving some type of speech, and he turns around and he shaked the invisible man's hand in front of the flag. You know, and then he salutes another invisible man. You know, not did he do that? I don't know. <laughs> it don't make no sense. You know, I guess they trying to say he old and senile. Right. <laughs> you know. But my point is, I don't believe none of them. They already done shown showed themselves to be liars. Right. And if, you, if they already showed themselves to be liars, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, just like during during the uh, the uh, the the pandemic, we saw they were showing us China's footage and saying that it was our hospitals in the U.S. and they got busted. You know, so don't tell me King Sihan is still out here. You know, he's a spiritual giant out here. You know, he is a very formidable foe. You know, so Sihan, he's the king of the Amorites. He's the king of the Sayers. He's the king of the propaganda machine. You know, that and that propaganda machine sweeps away its enemies. And propaganda works. You know, and you know why it works so well? Because y'all made it. You know, and they just copied it and used it for, um, for, for evil. You know, but when you read Deuteronomy 6, you know, 4 through 9, that's y'all's propaganda machine. It's called scripture. That's why he says, surround yourself with it from the time that you arise to the time you lay it down all the meantime and in between time. Just keep the word around you because it will begin to saturate your heart, saturate your mind, you know, and it will begin to lead and guide you, you know, the way you in which you should go, you know, but the enemy figured out, hey, the opposite of that works too. Mm. And that's what King Sihan does. He's the king of Heshbon. He's the king of contrivances, the king of cleverly plans, clever plans. You know, and he has a plan for you. He has a plan for each and every one of us to sweep us away from Yah. You know, and if we're going to cross the Jordan, we must first get past King Sihon and his propaganda machine. And then we have Og, or Ug, king of Bashan. Now, Ug was a bona fide giant. He was a giant. And he was the king of Bashan. And Bashan means fruitfulness. You know, and he's here to persecute everyone who's trying to become fruitful. And serve Yah. Now, if you want to be fruitful and serve Ug, he'll leave you alone. 
But if you want to be fruitful and serve Yah, he going to try to put you in his oven and bake you. He going to make it hot for you. He going to persecute you. You know, being fruitful and multiplying just simply means, speaks to increase. It just simply speaks to increase. Whenever one is fruitful, you know, they have more than what they started with. You know, whenever one multiplies, again, they have more than what they began with. It speaks to increase. And so all of us, when we starting out in life, we're trying to, you know, be fruitful and multiply. We're trying to, you know, be fruitful in, in, in ways of, you know, starting a family and raising a family. We're trying to be fruitful and multiply our finances. You know, uh, some people try to do that first and then get their family, you know. But those of us that's in God, you know, we want to be fruitful and multiply in Him, you know, while, while serving Him. And Oog is there to prevent that. He's there to keep you from going into the kingdom of Elohim. He's there to keep you from increasing. See, because the enemy done figured out that if he attack your finances, if he attack your increase, he can get you. Because most people, once he attack their increase, once he attack their finances, they run along and turn away from Yah. You know, I can't even count how many times, you know, Yah has answered prayers on that prayer board. I can't count how many times folks done came in here and prayed for provision, prayed for a job, and Yah gave them one, and then they took the job and stopped serving Yah. I've seen it happen over and over and over again, you know. But when they come in, they're so earnest about serving Yah and so earnest about, you know, giving their life over to Him. You know, don't you know when, you, when you're at that point that Yah is going to prove you? He'll give you the desires of your heart just to prove you. To see if you're going to put those desires before Him. And if you do, he gonna let you go ahead about your about your business. Hmm. You know, but when you come knocking on that day, he gonna say, "Go away, for I never knew you, you workers of iniquity." You know, so I want you to understand the spiritual significance of King Sihon and King Ug and the role that they play in our lives today so that you don't let propaganda get in the way of you getting in the kingdom so you don't let you know your increase get in the way of getting in the kingdom because once you're in the kingdom you're gonna you're gonna be able to partake of the fat of the land anyhow once you're in the kingdom you're gonna have Yah with you you know so you're going to have his truth, so you're not going to need man's truth. You know, see, again, King Sihon is a formidable foe. So is Ug. You know, these two right here, they hard to get past. They hard to get past. You know, 
but we're not going to get into the kingdom of the most high until we get past them. You know, that's all I have for you today. Pray was a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll take any questions.